Thank you for downloading this podcast. The A to Z of Human Performance consists of 25 live shows that were broadcast in January 2021. The book, The A to Z of Human Performance, written by John Osirkham, Emma Wiggs and Steve Eaton, contains a lot of the topics you'll hear in the coming episodes and it's now out so you can get your copy at the Amazon Kindle store. Without further ado, here's the podcast. You're listening to the A to Z of Human Performance live show weekdays at 13.30 GMT with Chris Lisman and resident expert John Osirkham. Please enjoy responsibly. Hello, Chris. Hello, it we're back. Indeed, Thursday. Is it Thursday today? It is Thursday. It's our penultimate show. We're joined by Steve. We've got Steve in the house. Welcome, Steve. Ah, How are you doing? Mr. Eaton. How are you hey. doing, Steve? Good, thank you. Good, good to have you here. Uh, good to have you back. Star of stage and screen, Steve Eaton. We've doubled up on our authors. Uh, looking forward to the show today. We're going to be talking about Zanacious, which begins with an X. Uh, we've made it right the way through to X in our alphabet. We've just got one more show tomorrow, which is going to cover Y and Z. Uh, so we'll wrap up tomorrow. Uh, but first, Zanacious, what on earth does that mean, Jonna? We have very limited choices. It was going to be X-Ray or misspelled <laughs> Excellence, Xylophone. Uh, no, we can't do that. Uh, Zanacious is a, is a heartfelt yearning for change uh and so we were we were discussing it a little bit just when we were writing the book you know what are the things that are important and part of part of what's important is a bit of creativity a bit of doing things differently a bit of craziness uh the chapter starts with that very famous quote you know who this is by chris hang on here's the crazy ones the misfits the rebels the troublemakers the round pegs in square holes the ones who see things differently they're not fond of rules they have no respect for status quo you can quote quote them disagree with them glorify or vilify them about the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they push they change things they push the human race forward and while some may see them as crazy we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do who's that by chris rob stilton isn't it yeah everyone thinks it's from steve jobs but, i only know uh, that because i got the book in front of me oh, that's, that's, that's a copy. yeah steve jobs <laughs> the, the guys from the ad agency that were working for apple wrote that for steve jobs and he then Gave it as one of his most famous keynote speeches available on YouTube. Got to give the credit to the, uh, the marketing agency there. Always the marketing guy, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Got to give him credit. Yeah. So um, yearning for change. Right. Yearning for change. So uh, perhaps doing things a little bit differently, uh, a little bit of craziness, maybe. Uh, Steve, do we, need, do we need a bit of craziness to be a high performer? To be a high performer? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I would say we all need a bit of craziness in our lives. I think it's... Uh, Keeps things interesting and makes us human, I think. But yeah, certainly, yeah. certainly for those who know me, would say yeah, there's a there's a little bit in there sometimes. When when have you had to do things differently? Think outside the box, go a bit crazy. Okay. Certainly, a lot of the time. Certainly in my military days, that was that was half of the interest. Really, was trying to think out of the box, trying to preempt other people's moves, um, other people's tactics. You know, so so it was always. But I suppose in a considered way which I suppose is can fly in the face, I suppose, of doing things uh, spontaneously or, you know, just for the crack of things. But certainly I've done, I've certainly been involved in both, but um, certainly my military involved a bit more planning or a bit more structure behind the scenes, which enabled you to then uh, 
have moments where you could just um, be creative and yeah yeah it's actually very interesting i'm actually now i'm having a bit of a deep think about this but it's a very interesting point you're making there which is if you're a wise person you've got you normally would think about things beforehand you've got some metacognition you're kind of checking yourself to make sure your motives are right or other things uh to really get off the leash and do something wild is actually that's quite difficult actually isn't it if you're a deep thinker if you're like chris was saying yesterday he's quite you know he's very strong values and therefore he's going to consider things before he acts mm. uh, but maybe that's the challenge for some of us who are tempted into this kind of well thought through life grounded uh prepared planned actually it's hard to sort of do something crazy and i think yeah. i think with experience I, I would say it was uh in my experience, it's much. It was much easier to do crazy, silly things when I was younger. And clearly, we know from the science that actually, you know, certainly young men are. You know, we don't stop developing really until we're into our early early twenties. And so before that, that's why, you know, we're getting lots of chemicals released in the body. So we are naturally natural risk takers. Yeah. So the opportunity to do silly things is is always there with with young young men certainly yeah the idea of being fueled by adrenaline testosterone uh and all the other feel-good hormones it can make you feel invincible can't it yeah and we're not just talking about the massively crazy moments which as you've said i'm not likely to do we're also talking about sort of low-level variants just shaking things up doing things slightly differently as well aren't we Jonna? i think it's really important and, and uh, again like this is an aspect of high performance a lot of a lot of what any of the high performers do is try and create a process that will deliver them with the results and do so in quite a lot of detail to deliver them the results and i do think that that that, that direction is kind of the foundational methods that high performers use to achieve results is thinking about their outcomes thinking about their process thinking about how to optimize each step of that process however let's say you um uh who is it bradley wiggins bradley wiggins used the same time trial warm-up for every time trial of his whole life so he's got a process it works for him and he does that every race i think that's actually really good because that's it's a big moment you've got an established system in play and a big moment don't change anything but also if you were to do the same workout every day for your time trial um training for 365 days a year it's going to become boring and um we're going to get diminishing returns and we're also going to lose motivation if we're bored so there's certain you know there's the in the book we write about big moments which are an important one not to go crazy and do something different there's a very long history of athletes at olympics and other things you know varying something the night before changing some aspect of their kit and then like you know they've worked for four years and they just screw up their big race because they did something silly because they were thinking, oh, this is really big. I've got to try and do something crazy here. Um, but but yeah, I th- but I do think we need that creativity to to keep life interesting. I mean, we've seen it with, with lockdown. Tell me how boring it is. Eat, sleep, repeat. Yeah. Uh, you go grey in the end. So those big moments, we, we need to keep things as they are. We don't want variants there. Wh- yeah. When should we be looking for variants? Well, I'd say, I, for, in my opinion, those big moments. So, so again, I've seen this when we're doing like I know, a sales pitch. If we've got an established meeting process and sales pitch uh most of the time i want to stick with that uh, a brand new client is not i did did once do a brand new style of pitch to a brand new client it was a very big opportunity but it didn't actually work that well and so then i was left regretting what i'd done because 
they, you know, our pitch was in the end not effective. So what I should have done with the, I should have tried that in a less, um, you know, a less important environment, maybe a smaller pitch, try the new uh, presentation or the new meeting format there mm-hmm. rather than a, a big client. Big and so, you know, that, that um, there's no downsides to trying out a new pitch from time to time with a small client, but there's a huge downside to trying it out with a big client, which is what I would call a big moment. Um, and then, so there's those two, like a no downsides moment is where it doesn't really matter if you try something new. As, as an example, an athlete after Olympics, when they've won their gold medal, like go into your next Olympic cycle, it's the perfect time to try something new. You've got a world championships to go for. Like that next year is a good year for innovation. But as you approach the big moment, you want to kind of try and keep things um, under control. Yeah. What, what about you, Steve? What, what have your big moments been or, or what big moments have you got coming up where you need to not, vary your your process your methods <laughs> quirky it's a question isn't it i think uh certainly in the current situation it's going to be interesting i think because i think we're all we're all developing habits you know humans you know historically we know we are we can we can be quite lazy in the fact that we we learn a habit we'll adapt a way of being that's good for the circumstances that we're in at the moment but i think following following lockdown, you know, and moving into the future, it's going to be really, I think a lot of people are going to be finding it really interesting, breaking the shackles from what they've created now to survive and work effectively in the environment they're in. And then suddenly when we get this freedom, it's going to be, it's going to be really quite, quite interesting. I think, I think if, if from perspective, with a bit of, you know, now with a bit of wisdom, I suppose, if, if, if we can, if I can call it that, I suppose it's, it's, in making some of these decisions, you know, it's, I, I can be very spontaneous, but I think a lot of the times as well now, because I have other things to consider, you know, my choices are quite bound, if you like. There are, in the choices we make, you know, as, I, as we cover in the book, you know, there are sets of consequences, you know, good and bad. You might get the consequence of doing something crazy, might be an incredible rush and just that's the best thing I've ever done but the consequences might also be not as you'd hoped. And so this is where you've got to consider, going back to that point that John has just raised about choosing your clients, you know, doing a bit of a risk analysis, maybe, I don't know, maybe wisdom, but I think sometimes there is the joy of just going, well, what the hell? But but again, there are consequences with everything. Yeah, Yeah, and, and you'll have had to think through consequences on a significant level with your military background as well. You'll, I think that's, perhaps where that yeah. sense comes from of uh, of not going too crazy and and definitely and taking uh, on too much risk yeah and i think you know just you know adding on to to john's point there you know it's these bradley wiggins you know doing the same warm up each time within the military and within lots of organizations you know we have um, you know standard operating procedures so we know that when things get a bit tight you know we will sort of default to things that we know that we're good at that, that are stable uh, and click sorry and um, it's interesting as well with um within a team environment is is knowing and we've talked about this before where people in within the team know that actually that's what we're going to do as a team or that's what steve's going to do or that's what john is going to do yeah yeah so yeah we need those processes as well don't we but on, well, the, on the basis of those wow you know that hopefully is where you know you can do the basics you feel safe in that environment so feeling self and your confidence that's when you can go right what else can we do guys you know i've got the confidence yeah it's interesting what you say about the impact on other people i think you know the craziness 
as we said, is helpful. It's a part of being, creativity is a part of being human, but also it's we've got to think about whether we're trying to work with other people or whether we're trying to compete against them, for example. And um, you know, if you're doing marketing, then you're on one level trying to set up a process that's going to deliver you leads or business, but on another level, you're competing against your competitors' marketing teams, and therefore you might need to take risk and do creative that gets you, you know, a better outcome is less predictable. Um, but I was thinking what you're saying there also about aligning a team. Um, there's two, two examples of where I think creativity and craziness is helpful. One of which just off the TV last night, I was interesting listening to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. His team scored nine, nine goals again in their game against, uh, Southampton. Thank you. Uh, and but he said afterwards, you know, we've got a brilliant style of play now, but I just, I'm, I'm still want the team to have enough variance that we don't become predictable. And basically they've engineered a system that can create nine goals. Uh, but because they've done it by a system, it becomes then predictable. And then ultimately it'll lose some of its power. People will work out how to counter that system. And um, it's very, very similar in poker. In poker, uh, obviously you've got the cards and you've got the money. That's two, two components. And then you've got the other people. And... Um, Poker is, un unlike chess, poker has a human dimension. In chess, there is no human dimension. It's just problem solving. But in poker, you've got a human dimension because you've got bluffing. And um, one of the top female poker players is Liz Boree. She's um, an Oxford-level mathematician. She's an absolute genius. And um, she, she she's done a brilliant talk, actually, which is available on YouTube, The Science Behind Poker, about uh, what poker players call game theory optimal poker. So... GTO poker, game theory optimal, is where every single um, bet, every single raise you make, every single fold you make, every single bet you make, um, every single bluff you make is optimized by how likely it is to help you win. And if, if us three were playing poker and one of us was playing GTO poker, uh, the thing about game theory optimized poker is you will you will win money if you earn if you play game theory optimized, you will win money because um, you're playing the best play every time and it's very hard to keep that up but even with gto poker if if i play chris uh, and he he plays game theory optimized and i play game theory optimized neither of us have got any winning potential so at the end of a million hands of poker we'd both have exactly the same amount of money we started with which is it blows my mind then that the scientifically and mathematically most accurate plays against an opposition doing the same thing will just neutralize both of us and neither of us will win so therefore, in order to win against Chris, if he's playing game theory optimized poker, I have to play non-optimal poker in order to beat him. I also stand the chance of losing, right? But to create any kind of winning edge, I then would have to step away from the optimal playing style. And um, it just shows that even in extremely mathematical or scientific environments, uh, that sometimes to succeed, you need, a, you need variance, you need craziness, you need bluff or bluster that isn't actually scientifically or math math mathematically valid and that's yeah. the, the human component yeah, i'm trying yeah. to think about uh, fighting a battle now steve or i mean i'm sure football's similar isn't it with tactics and other things but you, you sometimes you've just got to maybe just got to do something different that's unexpected it's the human element isn't it that that m means that is essential because if it was robotic like you're saying if if everything was mathematically calculated yeah. Yeah. that would work but the fact that we're humans with emotions uh and then poker you, like you say you can bluff and lie and uh deceive it adds a whole complexity to it that needs some craziness yeah, there, I think is a, there is a science to it you know as well you know that 
you know, humans, when we are stressed, we lose the ability to be creative. You know, the, the blood is being sucked away from that front bit of the brain that gives us our ability to be creative and uh, compassionate and all those good things, you know, and problem solve. It all sits within the, the prefrontal cortex. So you're trying to, you're trying to get to a point where you are confident, you are not stressed to a degree that it's affecting you, your performance. Um, but also in a point where you can be creative and even in, you know, the most challenging environments, you know, by, by maintaining that bit of confidence and which is where the, the operating procedures come in, I've got something to fall back on. If things go really bad, that gives you the confidence, you de-stress and then you're able to be creative again or solve problems. So having the strategies <clears throat> to be slightly reckless, if you use those words, you know, is a, is a skill in itself really to do it and perform at the same time. Mm. Do you think the stress that we feel will sometimes make us more crazy, sometimes make us do crazy things? It might limit our creativity, but well, also might make us well, do something different. Is, when you go into the, if you become too stressed, you'll go into the fight and flight mode. Right. Now, when you're into that position there, the body's not interested in trying to think around a problem. It's going to do it's going to do one thing it's going to run that way it's going to freeze or it's going to fight and the problem is when certainly in you know areas of the military where they're trying to encourage you to overcome increased threat levels against an enemy for instance then you can be hot-headed and we see that shown in all sports in all areas you know in business where people make bad deals they lose the ability to be creative they panic, they don't feel safe anymore, they become overwhelmed and they make a bad decision. And that's often where you see people jumping out and doing something that was out of character, but it's just a, you know, you're, you're going into the fight mode, if you like, of, uh, mm. or you make a, a bad business decision because you're panicking and you can't yeah. deal with it and you make a decision and it's the wrong decision. But there are also, I totally agree, uh, there are also those moments out there where there's no downside to any course of action. And you talked about fight, flight or freeze. I think many of us also get stuck. Um, I'm thinking about some of my ski trips where, do you know what, every part of me wants to stay where I am, but you're, you've got to push yourself and mentally override that feeling and say, no, I need to move on. I've got to get off this mountain. I've got to get out of this couloir or, you know, uh, let's say you're halfway down a very very difficult run like every part of you is saying i actually want to stop now but you've got to override that and say no i need to get to safety uh nathan <laughs> i'll tell you a funny story nathan and i were out skiing in um in uh switzerland last year it's around this time and uh we basically it's a blizzard started coming in and we basically persuaded the people on the lifts to let us up the mountains for a few couple couple more runs so we got up once and came back down again and it was a kind of basically nearly a whiteout and then um and then uh like we said to the guy, yeah, one more, one more, you know, we're our last one. He's like, it's shut, guys. Like, oh, please, one more, it's still running. And he let us back up and then we got to the top and it was absolutely, completely white, completely impossible to see where we're going. Couldn't see the slope, couldn't differentiate between the sky and the ground, nothing. And we're like, oh God, like, what do we, why did we do this? And we just said to each other, right, let's, let's go down really carefully and really, you know, find our way. Let's not ski off the edge of a cliff. Let's not hit a jump or a run. Anyway, about halfway down this run, we bumped into a mum with two children under five on the same slope as us. And and we were suddenly, oh, hey guys, are you okay? Everything all right here? 
you know, we just flipped, we, we, cause we, we flipped into like, we're fine. Everything's all right with us. 10 meters before we'd been terrified, but like suddenly we saw someone who's vulnerable or who we thought we might have to help. It's like, Oh yeah, you okay. She said, Oh yeah, I'm just here with these kids. And there's a couple more further down. I'm just bringing them down. A bit of help would be great. But um, like we then went into a very different headspace. And it was interesting, the difference between a stress reaction and like the, the chemicals we got when we needed to help, we suddenly felt energized rather than feeling sorry for ourselves or um, in the kind of, well, I guess in the kind of defensive mode. But I was interested in the brain chemistry going on there when I reflected on that and how suddenly needing to help someone else gave us an absolutely massive adrenaline, adrenaline boost or whatever, Steve. Or were we just too embarrassed? I don't know. Well, I would say that you were clearly in that in a balance that when you came across it, you you were able to move into the because you, you you lose the ability to be compassionate when you are in that fight and flight. The body's not interested in it, so you must have sort of been in the crossover area between being uh, one of you anyway. Must have been in the area of going well. Oh crikey, there's something that can distract us, and yeah, I did actually. Let's go and help those people, you know, and. Uh, but it's also part of your makeup as well. For some people, they're able to to do that. You know, others would be quite happy going out on uh, sod them. <laughs> they're fun down there. So well, that's uh, that's I'm I follow Nims Perger and his Everest climbing, and he's often criticised for using oxygen. And uh, you know, all the mountaineers who say, "Oh, you know, you've got to do it," he said, "without oxygen." And he says, "Well, no, because I might because I'm using oxygen, I might be able to save someone." And uh, multiple times, come across people who their own colleagues who they were climbing with their teammates couldn't get them down but because he's using oxygen he's got just a bit of extra strength to try and get them off the mountain but i think that's you know that's um again it's it's a, a kind of a different way of thinking about craziness like the, the the mountaineers are saying well you're crazy you're using oxygen and it's you know helping you he's saying well you're crazy you're not using it you could help someone else so yeah but it's yeah. that it's down to those personal values isn't it values and beliefs which are, are absolutely yeah. crucial to uh yeah and, and, and lots of moments to be honest when like that family that you would help skiing in those treacherous conditions might seem a moment of compassion might seem crazy to some people and and that's why they're they're rare aren't they when when you get that random act of kindness or unexpected compassion that's uh they're their own unique moments of craziness aren't they yeah and i think but i think it can also help you realize that i mean i was thinking another one which is uh, taking risks in a in a downturn, you know, I'm a lot sure a lot of people have got their finances at the moment a stretch for whatever reason, or businesses that are not um, doing their revenue or whatever it might be. Um, there are some moments where there's no downsides to taking a bit of risk. And let's say you're lost in the middle of a desert and you don't know which way's home. Hmm. I mean, you could just sit there, couldn't you? But you, it might also just be pick any direction and start walking. Uh, I know Steve will tell me that if you do it without a compass, you'll start walking around in a circle. But uh, you know, there are there are moments in life. I remember uh, in March last year when we didn't know whether our business would survive or not. Okay, it, doing nothing is not an option. It doesn't matter what we do. If we make mistakes here, that's absolutely fine. If things go wrong, that's fine. If we uh, end up upsetting clients or um, you know losing business that we because we tried to do something, anything is better than just sitting there and saying, "Well, let's see what happens." There's nothing we can do. Uh, we won't try anything, you know, it's a stressful time. You know, so we, you know, we, we decided to keep taking risks and we, Chris, and keep pushing yeah. forward and things. And um, I think that's also good for us in terms of reinforcing our agency as a human being, that we can be active at taking our destiny in our own hands. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got those big moments where we shouldn't 
shouldn't change, shouldn't vary because it's a big moment and we need to be consistent. The cliffhangers where we, we really need to change something because yeah. we're, we're in danger. Uh, and the no downsides where staying as we are is going to do nothing. Yeah. Gonna yeah. If you're on a losing fail. streak, you should change something, shouldn't you? If you're in a yeah. no, there's no downsides. Uh, and I guess, you know, it's also like, say in relationships, if you're having difficulty in a relationship, well, if it's going off track anyway, try changing something. Try it doesn't matter what. Do it. Try anything. See where you can get to. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of a bit of uh, risk taking and kind of craziness. I think welcome and and it, if you can get used to it, it feels great because you you re- recognise those moments and think, oh yeah, it doesn't matter what we do here. So let's do what yeah. we think is going to work. What about some habituators then? What kind of things can we do to improve our zeniety? Well, I think I think to start with, I think just as we've said earlier on today, that the kind of craziness is counter to almost everything else that we've got in the high performance book, which is all about working out how to be consistently good, managing things in a central way, being in control, uh, being proactive, assertive. I do think having a really good range of skills and building up your skills is obviously a great platform for creativity. But um, one small experiment you could do is experimenting with your yeses and nos. That's in the habituators. So say no to something you'd normally say yes to. Say yes to something you'd normally say no to. And just see what happens. It's it's very interesting how programmatized Steve was actually just saying about his commitments, right? You say you've got all your commitments, you've got you've worked out all your yeses and no's and what you can or should or shouldn't do. Uh maybe just play around with those boundaries of what you know what in a legal way, ethical and legal way. But maybe just say yes to something that you might normally say no to. Mm. What would you good normally say no to, Chris? It's a good tip. I would normally say no to. I, I'm thinking of where friends have invited me to do a, a hobby that's their hobby that's not my hobby. And, um, yeah, and you, you're, you're tempted, tempted to say no. Sorry? you want to go cycling with me one day? I, I've got to say yes now, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen though, do you? No. no. Uh, and that's, that's, the, that's why you would, you would do it, wouldn't it? It's a new experience. It's a variance that um, there's no downsides in that case. Steve said yes to a lot of other people's challenges, only Steve to help support them. You said that before. <laughs> Not many, one too many, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. But other people are a great source of this variance, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, what, the other thing I think is to think about to, to use your creativity and imagine some adventures you'd like to have. Mm. Um, I know, Chris, you've moved to Dorking. That was a big adventure. It was, but yeah. Buying a house, do you want to have that adventure? That's uh, hopefully coming soon. Yeah, that's good. That's another great, great adventure. But there's all these adventures to have on their places to visit, uh, things, skills to learn. Maybe I was, we were talking the other day, maybe change a career change that you're not expecting is a, is a huge thing to say yes to when it would be very safe to say, no, one of my great friends is a psychiatrist and great secure NHS job and you know, everything hang on for another 10 years and get a great pension. But she had it in her that she wanted to go on to a new adventure. And so she took the risk of saying no to her safety and went off to do something risky. And she had a brilliant time and um, a very energizing 10 years more of work she had that she might not otherwise have had. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we're, we're just a few minutes out. Any, any other tips tips for, uh, for us on this chapter? What should we do to be more crazy, Steve? Write a book? Star in a show? <laughs> Definitely not star in a show. Star in a show. I think... I think, <laughs> I think um, I think an important point, though, in going off, you know, and, and looking at these these uh, these new things. Uh, personally, I think uh, 
you know, there's the whole point around how you look at it, you know, how you, you know, whether you see it as a challenge or a threat. And I know it's, yeah. it's probably mentioned in the book, but I think, you know, if you're going to accept something, accept it in the mind that you can, you, there's a possibility that you're going to learn something and possibly you're going to enjoy it. Possibility, you might not enjoy it, but at least you're going to learn something along the way. Because we know that if you go into something with a bit too much trepidation, you're not going to get the whole the whole deal because yeah. you're going to be guarded. You, you're not going to have that experience where you're going to get the whole experience, which I think, you know, be open to learning. God, the mistakes that I've made along the way and the bad decisions, but, you know, you don't always get it right. We're humans, you know, so just take it, learn from it, move on. That is my, that's the insurance policy, right? Isn't it as well? You know, we, we, we can take these risks knowing that we definitely will learn something. I think your point about going taking on challenges with the right mindset is and when we're in a good place to get the best out of it even if we fail is you know fundamental that's our that's that protects us and our sense of identity and you see people that especially on the business side i don't know if it's similar on the military side but on the business side you see people that put their identity too much into whether their thing is a success or failure and then you know not all businesses succeed and then it does mm. fail and then they're devastated but other people are able to do that same kind of risk, but without it having a big emotional impact on them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's time to wrap up the show. Thank you, Steve and Jonathan, for joining me. And cool. uh, we'll see you tomorrow for our final show. Final show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jonathan. Don't forget, the A to Z of human performance is now available on Amazon Kindle Store. Get your copy now.